This is the Zealous Podcast with Rocky Snyder, the show that's all about the pros behind the pros. Welcome to this episode of the Zealous Podcast. I'm Rocky Snyder, and in the house with me right now is legendary throwing coach Tom House. Now, you may recognize his name from Major League Baseball, being a Red Sox fan, I sure do, because he was on that team for a little while, as well as some other ones, and then eventually went on to an amazing throwing coach career, coaching not only Major League Baseball pitchers, but heck, he's expanded into the NFL. Some of the names, of course, you'll recognize being Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and dozens of other NFL quarterbacks. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rocky. It's great to be here. It's great to see you. It's been, what we said, off camera, five years. Yeah, it's been yeah, right. It has been a little while. Time flies when you're having fun. And how it has, yeah, so time has been flying. You've been doing a lot since we last met. Uh, obviously, you've really expanded into the NFL, and you've got some amazing athletes who have been coaching there, but we're, you've also got this app that's just come out this past year called Mustard, which we're going to get into because it's a pretty phenomenal coaching tool for anybody interested in rotary athletes like baseball pitchers especially but a whole bunch of throwers or golfers or heck if you're a tennis player there's probably going to be some really great applications there but Tom before we get started with that how did you get started well you know I'd like to say it was well thought out it wasn't Um, I was like every other kid growing up I, I had dreams of playing major league baseball had no clue how to get there but just kind of, you know, grounded out day to day. And as my path through baseball progressed, it seemed like at every level where something critical had to change or be fixed, uh, someone mentored me and helped me get to the next level. And again, I ended up pitching, you you know, you did your homework really well. I pitched in the big leagues for almost nine years. I think Don Zimmer of, of old Boston Red Sox fame told me I was marginal and not good, but very predictable. And what the hell that meant, I don't know, but that was a Zimmerism. So yeah, I survived a little lefty throwing a curveball. And again, I wish I could tell you it was a well thought out plan. It wasn't. But the further I got into playing uh, on the elite level, the more I realized that there were holes in the coaching world. And my first, I'm trying to think, whatever, 1968, 69, I had just started tapping at the big league level with the Braves when I ran into Bob Skinner, Bob Cluck, uh, and Roger Craig, who were, uh, they created this thing called the San Diego School of Baseball. And they hired me just to be a grunt, kind of like an intern, and working with the Pee Wees, Little Leaguers, who are still my favorite group to work with, by the way. I realized that I had I, I got hooked on coaching. It's not as fun as playing, but it's really close. So while still playing professional baseball, I started dabbling in coaching with the San Diego School of Baseball. And that's how the coaching end started. That you can be at a top level, a, a top level athlete in a major league sport but that isn't the pinnacle of your career. I mean, that, that speaks volumes. To, to go on and, and to really do what you've done in the coaching world has been phenomenal. I mean, so, so how, you know, baseball, no offense to baseball in itself, but it's a very inbred sport, right? You've, you've, yes, you've basically- great, great scouting report there. 
They're, yeah, they're, they're very reluctant to change anything. If it was good enough for Babe Ruth, it's good enough for us. So I again, I hit that crease perfectly between old school and what is now new school with the analytics and the ability to capture data and movement and strength and imbalances and strength and mental emotional stuff. It all kind of gelled together. And as luck would have it, right toward the end of my playing career, um, I ran into a guy named Coop Duran, Dr. Coop Duran over at University of Hawaii. And he said, hey, Housey, there's this new technology out there. It's called motion analysis. I said, well, what the heck is motion analysis? He said, we can actually look at human movement in three dimensions. And I said, okay, that's great. What the hell does that mean? So one thing led to another. I did a second mortgage on my house and, and bought a motion capture system through Gideon Ariel. And um, by that time I was with the Texas Rangers and with Bobby Valentine, Tom Grieve and the blessings of the Texas Ranger organization, we started capturing movement with hitters, pitchers, infielders. And before you knew it, I had hundreds of major leaguers. And, and Rocky, I'm gonna do a little sidebar real quick. I was blessed because my modeling wasn't based on 2000 little leaguers. My modeling was based on guys that were in the big leagues and future Hall of Famers. In other words, I went without knowing and just being pure lucky, I captured, you know, six, 700 major league pitchers and drew, drew all our data points from that group rather than having to have thousands and thousands of little leaguers and, you know, try to figure out what it took to get to big leagues. So you see how lucky I was? Very much so, because you had some of the best mechanics the best biomechanics captured right there and not developing movement patterns with young pitchers. Is that Perfect. really what you're getting at? Perfect. And what you just said, you know, there is so much good technology out right, right, right now out in the sports world. They are capturing things that would have been a dream when I first started, you know, 25, 30 years ago. But what they don't have is what to do with these data points creating a model that can actually, from that model, you can come up with some teaching. And I don't know if you remember when I worked in your facility there, I know we did some functional strength training, that kind of thing coming up with, when you have a measurable and a quantifiable and identify where problems are, coming up with a teach or an instruction to go with that, you know, I think we're three or four, maybe even five years ahead of anybody else that's out there right now, because we have a measurable, a deliverable, and it's all defendable. Yeah, you know, in fact, I remember when you were here, I was just on the verge of diving deep into gait analysis myself. Right. And yeah. with gait, you've got 0.6 to 0.8 seconds, roughly, and that takes in a gate cycle. And you were saying some remarkable things about a pitcher standing on the mound. In essence, they're just taking a step. But the, the time it takes for them to step, and they're stepping down. So Perfect. 
that yes so it's going to take them a little bit longer because they're not going to hit the ground as soon as somebody that's walking on a level plane but you were going to almost the precise numbers of saying I can watch a player, and if they are taking this much time for their foot to strike the ground, I can predict what kind of throw. Exactly, whether it's going to be high, low, right, or left. You're, you're, you're dead on it. We broke up a little bit. I hope you can still hear me okay. But I can. We, yep. We, can. we now have a statistically validated model that starts with timing of the total movement then the kinematic sequence, how all that energy is translated during the timing of that movement. And then the variables that coaches teach, balance, posture, you know, stride and momentum, all those uh, coachable things all put together. And believe it or not, that's how mustard started coming about because what used to take, you know, 15 grand and a three day weekend and a motion analysis lab with light sensitive dots and force plate analysis for, you know, strength translation, all that three day for the elite stuff we can now do with a cell phone. And that's the genesis. You could take, you know, I know you have equipment in, in your gym and I know you've accessed with gate analysis research everywhere. You can do everything with a cell phone now. Yeah. And that, that's the blessing that I've been given in palling around with these really smart people that have taken 50 years of what I've captured and turned it in through mustard, a deliverable that mom and dad can actually just film their kid in the backyard, shoot it in through the app, and they get an analysis back within one minute that has the same efficacy as what I've been doing with my elite guys for the last 25 years. It sounds incredible, actually. So with mustard, first of all, right now, it's a free app correct? Right. A free right. app. And so, and there's a lot of aspiring young tykes out there in little league that want to hit the mound and so on. And I do want to talk about uh, pitch count eventually. Sure. However, right now let's talk about mustard. Let's talk about that app. So you basically are going to film a, a player throwing a ball from a profile or does it have to be a specific position? That's the cool thing. You know, we have suggested capture positions. But say mom is in the stands on the first base side filming her left-handed pitcher in a Little League game. We can actually take her capture from the stands and give her efficacy in the analysis of her child throwing. It's unbelievable. That's, that's incredible. Well, and, and again, I remember I told you I'd just been lucky throughout my career. Um, with this, I've sat down with uh, the best biomechanists in the world and the best, uh, that these guys that do programming and coding, they've taken everything that's in you know, my brain floating around out there in hyperspace and turned it into something that actually a mom and a dad can use. Or say it's a scout for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He can be behind home plate in some high school game in Spokane, Washington, film it, send it in, and get the same virtual analysis that a Dodger pitcher would get at their home field there in Chavez Ravine. It, that is, it, that's nothing short of amazing. That uh, the fact that you're doing markerless, uh, basically kinematic sequence analysis yeah. 
where, where you yeah. don't have to put dots on their shoulders or wherever or any markers is is technology that's that we're on the front edge and we're really trying to you will you're going to see that more and more the interesting thing here though thomas i've been using you know video gate analysis and there's a certain pattern there's a certain, right. we'll say, for those listening, a kinematic sequence is really referring to the timing pattern that joints are moving with one another, kind of a coupling relationship that allows yeah. force to transfer through the body in the most effortless, hopefully the most effortless manner. You'll see it in a golfer's swing, a, a pitcher's throw, or just simply how you walk. And so I use that in regards to gait analysis. And I want to see there's a certain timing pattern where the heel should be doing one thing, the, the knee, the hip, the spine, everything should have these relationships yeah. at any given moment in time and basically you're doing the same thing now when i see something that's an aberration where the spine should be doing one thing however it's doing something completely opposite that gives me the information i need to go okay that's where we're going to start we need that behavior to change right. And here are some movements that are going to help encourage that. And then we'll reassess and see how that person does. And for me, the people I see are, are more chronic and acute pain. Sure. Uh, although I will see some athletes, but you're basically doing the same thing with throwers, aren't you? Yeah, we're doing the same thing. And hopefully in a prehabilitative, not a rehabilitative situation. And we know that movement out of sequence is a performance for an injury waiting to happen. Strength recruited out of sequence, same thing. And to, to kind of put some pieces together for you, workloads, pitch total, biomechanical efficiency, and functional strength are what keep a pitcher healthy. So there's three things, and you, you brought it up first. This is, I'm going to give you kudos here. Pitch totals, the amount of pitches a kid throws, not on flat ground, but on a mound in competition at high intensity is one of the three things to keep an arm healthy. Then the efficiency of his movement and then the function of his strength. Those three things from little league to you know, Hall of Fame big league are the things you measure. There's windows of trainability. You, uh, you might use different words than myself, but there's windows of trainability. And if it's a pre-adolescent, it does you no good to strength train that uh, male or female. You, you, they're training the nervous system. When hormones start to hit, then you can take the nervous system and the muscle system and train them together. And that's the second window. And then the third window is skill acquisition to where you've taken your nerves and muscles talk to each other by playing all sports, not specializing, but play, by playing as many sports as you can. And then when you have skill acquisition, that phase goes from 19, 20 years old until 32 to 33. And then there's a skill retention um, window. And wherever you are, whatever your age, we can measure and give you a point in time capacity and tell you what you need to do to project to a future capacity. It's absolutely astounding to me. I feel like I'm in another dimension. I'm so excited. And I, it's what it's going to do, Rocky is democratize the information to the greater public. You know, I, there's a commercial out and I'll steal the words. Talent is distributed, distributed equally throughout the world, but um, the availability to develop that talent isn't. So we know that 80% of kids 
go home from a sport, they stop playing sports by the time they're 14 years old, male and female. That means the elite guys that you're dealing with or we see on TV are being drawn from a sample of 20% of the population that's out there. What would happen if we could get kids just to play through high school? Then there, how many Nolan Ryans have gone home that nobody knew about because they didn't have access to coaching? That's what the Mustard app is providing. So that's, that's what I'm getting up in the morning for right now. That's nice. there's, there's so many levels to this, though. There's so many yes. facets here. I mean, of course, pitch count, I, I'm sure that there's certain uh, indicators within the app that you're going to have these recommendations, right? Yes, you're yes, you're going to say that, uh, well, you tell me, what, what kind of outcome, if I had my son or daughter throwing and I put the information into mustard, what kind of things might I expect to, to come out of that? Well, with the report card that's sent, sent back to the athlete, we, all this stuff is you know, included, it's self-perpetuated. So you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. ASMI.org, Glenn, Dr. Glenn Fleissig, um, about 12 years ago, went out to all of baseball and he has a statistically validated age specific recommended pitch totals per inning, per game, per week, per month, per season. And those pitch totals, literally they're court tested, they hold up pretty solid. I don't think there's ever been any better research on that. So that's the basis for our workload. And is that based on chronologic or developmental age? It's basically, when I say age specific, it's developmental age. Okay. And you've been in the business long enough to know that sometimes that six foot, two inch, 12 year old isn't as strong as the five foot, five inch, 12 year old. Um, so it's age specific and depending on the personal history, where when they sign up with the app and they use the app, it's basically their chronological age, it's how much they've grown in the last year, how much weight they've gained in the last year. Because just off the, the top of my head, if you grow like an inch in a month, it pushes you back two months neurologically. If you, gave, if you gain five pounds in a month, it pushes you back two months as far as your functional strength is concerned. So that kid that is, you know, his, between his eighth grade year and his freshman year of high school, he grew three inches and gained 15 pounds. He's actually a younger athlete than he was when he graduated from junior high. And so again, when I say age-specific window of trainability, it's right now, I'm so proud of what we're putting out there. And literally, we're in beta testing right now making sure that it's user-friendly, that anybody can pick it up and make it work, and that our analysis and our report card jive perfectly with what we recommend as fixes. And then the feedback when they retest is all in line. I think they call it standard deviation and confidence interval. So everything that we're doing is has a confidence interval of 97%, 
within two standard deviations. So when I say it's defendable, there's no opinion in here. It's the real deal. That's phenomenal. I mean, for, for those that are not necessarily in this industry, what Tom's ex explaining and describing is something that truly is, is almost unattainable, that the, the, the degree of accuracy and the levels of information that you're able to fold into this application are just mind-blowing to me. The developmental, the, the training windows, which if you're interested in training windows, next week with Greg Rose and Titleist Performance Institute, we're going to exactly. get into that a little bit more. But yeah. he, he's one of the ones. It's, it's happening in, in many nations around the world where they're doing long-term athletic development, yeah. LPAD, which is what Tom's talking about here. And, and going from Little League all the way up to the pros, Imagine if you were able to harness in those opportunities where strength is at its primal, the peak or yeah. mobility or speed or coordination or skills. If you're able to tap into those like tumblers in a lock, you're locking in an athlete that is going to be all not a guaranteed rock star, but they've got all the makings for it. Yep. And what you hit right, the, the, the thing that is, I'll put one more little exclamation point by it. As part of this app, we have this thing called the focus band. And the focus band looks just like a sweat band. But what it is, it's an EKG of the brain. We can put it on and a kid could go out in practice or a game situation and you're sitting in the dugout or up in the stands with a computer. And we can see the brain waves, the how the, the, the beta waves and the alpha waves of the brain, how they deal with stress, how when he loses his, his attention, how he stops thinking and starts doing, you can monitor the whole thing. So for the first time, there's been all kinds of research done. There's great science where you sit someone down um, in, a, in, in front of a computer and they're all wired up with no movement. That's great information. But now we can actually measure it when you're playing golf or, you know, shooting a basket or throwing a football or actually in a game pitching a baseball. So do you see how, how great we are with science right now, meeting coaching and having it come out in a usable, uh, a, an implement that's, I stole in the world, so stolen this world from our group. We're democratizing what in the sports world has always been only available to the elite. Not everybody's going to have access to it. That's just phenomenal potential right there. I do recall several years back, I did the uh, EKG or the, the brainwave kind of, I won't say right. treatment, but it was when you're in the zone, there is a screen that you're staring at with fractal designs and tones that will be emitted when you're at that proper beta wave yeah. or when, when you're basically in competition, you would say when you're in the zone. Now yeah. you can see how well the athlete maintains themselves. Are they in the zone? What kind of performance are they doing? What we figured out with the zone, which you just described so well, is when thinking is inversely proportionate to the stimulus. Now, don't make me laugh. Thinking is inversely proportionate to the stimulus of the environment. The crazier things are, the less you have to think. And we use the Japanese terms. It, there, it's quiet eye. When, when you're thinking, your eyes kind of wiggle a little bit. 
So when the eyes go quiet, you get into what the Japanese call motion, where your body is running on autopilot, where you don't have to think, you just do. And it's turning out that we have not found an elite athlete slash Hall of Famer that isn't ADD. They're, they're basically, they're hertz of electrical activity. A normal human being like you and me is right around 12,000 with hertz of electrical activity. Uh, I'll, use, I'll use his name. Andrew Luck is the smartest athlete I've ever been around in my 50 years of coaching. He, he was basically cruising at 20,000 hertz of electrical activity. That his Sunday comeback record, his ability to perform in front of you know, stimulus in large groups is second to none. The world got calm with him when it was super crazy. So it's turning out that, you know, teachers want ADD kids like me to sit in the classroom, keep your okay, uh, you can volunteer. When it turns out that the more stimulus they can put you under, the better you're going to learn. We also have windows of learnability to go with our windows of trainability. So can you see why I'm fired up right now at 73 years old? I think we're just scratching the surface. Oh, I, I'm, I'm excited just right there beside you. It's funny because that brain treatment that I went through was in regards to doing something about my ADD without the use of medication. And it was yeah. a fascinating experience. And, and I hadn't heard anybody really talking about that until right now in this moment. And you're actually folding it into yeah. the coaching ability. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Yogi, Yogi Berra said it best that 90% of baseball is 50% mental. And <laughs> it explains why, like there's one set of rules, but there's a million interpretations. And if you can identify the composite makeup of an athlete, male or female, earlier rather than later, then they're going to stay in sports longer. And that's our mission statement. We want to make sure because sports are one of the last things that help us humanize artificial intelligence. It's a it's a win-win across the board for what we're doing. So, but on that same note, as we advance as a society with technology, there is a decrease in physical activity as a community. And with physical activity diminishing, the structural integrity and the coordination and athletic ability of the youth is going to be unfortunately affected in a negative way. And I say this, Tom, because the question's coming. In the 30 plus years I've been training and conditioning, the people that I first were seeing back in the early 90s were structurally more sound on average than the people that walk into my studio today. Are you? Seeing exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing, and it, it's there, it's not right or wrong. It's just what is. But you know, in five hundred years, all our kids are going to look like ET. You know, with huge brains and big thumbs. No, it, <laughs> literally. But if we can get them, to, don't you make me laugh. If we can get them just to hang out in sports, I've never had a surfer with a bad arm. So a, a lot of our stuff was training on the upper body, the shoulders, whatever. I just kind of steal from what, sh what surfers do when they're paddling out to get on a, on a wave. 
So all sports intertwine. I want to make sure, I, I hope I emphasize, do not specialize until 17 or 18 years old. In your neural pathway programming, all sports allow you to put stuff up on the shelf that as you get older or you get an injury or something goes wrong, you can pull off the shelf and repattern your nervous system and not miss a beat. Specialization is okay, but in the long haul, it's not the most efficient way to survive. You know, I'm really glad you bring this up because this was leading into another question. The year-round athlete, single sport athlete, we're seeing it more and more, no matter what the sport is, whether it's soccer, baseball, basketball, football. We've got so many kids that are being encouraged to stay with one sport rather than switch over, whether it's the pressure of the coach, the parents, the team or whatnot. But what you're saying and what I fully agree with and believe in my heart is that we, we need cross training. We need to encourage different stimuli, different movement patterns to enhance the sport they so love. So exactly. with that, are, is that part of mustard as well? It, it is. And again, there's books out there. If, if I could recommend a book, I don't know if you've seen it or read it, but it's, it's range, R-A-N-G-E. Have you got it? No, that's the, you're the second person in one week that has recommended that. Um, it basically, what we have is um, a cell phone app that basically takes range and turns it into a handheld for mom and dad of a 12 year old. It, the what and the why. And there's nothing magic about it, um, that we live in an information age to this day, I've never run across a coach that didn't have good intentions in working with an athlete or a client, but the misinformation that's out there is frustratingly large. So we have to make sure as best we can, I don't point fingers at all. I try to collaborate. When I first started, I was a little confrontational. I would actually say, don't be stupid. And that was a dead end when it came to the, what, it, what it boiled down to communication process. So we get along with everybody and there's no perfect way to do things, but for the kid that you're working with, there's a good way for him or her. So obviously mustard is going toward the little leagues right now and it's in the beta phase. You've got it, a free app, but I imagine the, the, the carryover into so many other sports is, is tremendous because uh, to throw a ball, you must rotate the body. To, to hurl a disc or a frisbee or a tennis racket or a golf club, the mechanics are essentially the same. Some change here and there, but ultimately in terms of producing force through the body yeah. to send something flying. So where is mustard going? Are, is it going up into the big leagues? Is, are there some teams playing with it right now? Is it crossing over to sports? Rocky, I don't know if anybody set you up this, but, but you're making me look really good with your question. Oh man, that's how, I, that's how I roll. Okay, awesome. I'll hang out with you anytime. But we are literally, we're, we're accessing the Drew Breeses of the world, the Clayton Kershaws of the world through professional sport. We've got colleges, we got high schools, but the biggest demographic for receipt of the information and instruction, I think I heard our guys say there's like 120 million 12 or under athletes in the world. Okay, that group is way bigger 
than the 7,000 professional baseball players or the 1,500 professional football players. Does that make sense? Certainly. So our, our focus initially is helping the kids. But while we're helping the kids, we're also helping organizations in baseball, football. We have relationships and data capture going on. I won't mention the teams, but we got four big league teams. We have six to seven NFL teams. Um, Greg Rose at TPI is, we're sharing stuff. Greg and I have been working together for 25 years and he's he's got um, what he is doing to bring sports to kids is actually on the field and making it easy there. We dovetail with him for the physical preparation accordingly. So we have all these working relationships and they all have the same philosophy. Can we improve the health and performance of athletes of any age in the world? You know, it, I would be remiss if if I just didn't talk about you and, and the NFL quarterbacks. And you're the one that brought up Drew there. And, you know, growing up with the Patsies in the 70s and the 80s, otherwise known as the Patriots, they were the laughing stock of the NFL, along with the Saints, by the way, and and the right. Tampa the, Bay Buccaneers. I think those three teams between the yeah, Patriots, the, the, the Saints, Aints, or the Aints, called, and the Bucs. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly right. right. Yeah, but now there is some of the, the you know, the dynasties uh, hold true and they're 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 phenomenal, but you mentioned skill retention. And I think you said after age 32, we're talking skill retention. And 32, two, 33, yes, sir. 33, 33. Right. And right now, two of your students, two of the athletes you've trained being Tom Brady or coach, I shall say, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, collectively, they're, they're older than you. They're 84 years old if you combine their right. ages together. So that must make you feel a little bit younger. So. How is it that uh, you're working with them for skill retention because they are off the charts even at age 43 and 41? Well, we found another great question, Rocky. We found out when I was with the Texas Rangers, for, I was with them for 10 years. And in that 10 year time frame, Bobby Valentine is the manager, Tom Grieve is the GM, and then all the coaches and conditioning coaches we were just one big research group. So we did motion analysis. We identified strength training. We did nutrition and sleep. We did mental emotional stuff. And that was the beginning. And in that 10 year time frame, I had eight pitchers throw into their mid forties. And we, we actually proved that with the pro protocols we have, the process we put in place, there's no reason you can't do at 45 what you did at 25, but you have to play by some rules. We proved it with two different type of pitchers completely. Nolan Ryan threw hard to hard. I'm talking he didn't have any drop off in performance and he retired at age 47. Jamie Moyer threw soft his whole career, but he threw soft till he was 48. So we knew, we proved it in baseball. And when I slid into football, I just was lucky to, you know, run across Drew, who was in a rehab situation because he blew his shoulder out with the Chargers in the diving for a, a fumble. And 
that kind of led to, okay, we can physically prepare. Let's start throwing a football. And we fixed him. He was never supposed to throw a football again after his surgery with Dr. Andrews. But all of a sudden, he's dealing with the Saints. And the quarterback world is, is a small little world, a very word-of-mouth world. So it's Drew's fault that right now, through another company I'm involved with called 3DQB, we are actually working with 28 of the top 32 NFL quarterbacks, most of their backups, a couple hundred college quarterbacks, and probably three to 400 high school quarterbacks. So again, I wish I could say it was well planned out. It just kind of happened organically. Yeah, I just want to where you keep that rabbit's foot. You don't yeah, have to go. No, you're right. What do they say? Blind squirrels find acorns every once in a while. <laughs> so, so tell me just, you know, we, I, I definitely wanted to give some time for mustard too, but now you've got my interest peaked with 3DQB. Is this something along those same lines or a completely different type of thing? 3DQB will be a part of mustard. We're, uh, all right, I'm, I'm giving you a scoop here. We're focusing, we're focusing on pitching first then hitting. We're going to get the baseball world, hopefully, to understand the value proposition of mustard. When we've got baseball kind of figured out, then we're going to slide baseball and softball, very similar in the approach. Then we're going to slide into quarterbacking and golf. And then after quarterbacking and golf, if you swing at something or throw at something, it'll, it'll come, whether it's cricket, lacrosse, uh, all that stuff is going to roll itself out. And you said earlier, and I, I'm glad I didn't interrupt you, human movement, when you're doing a rotational activity, it's virtually the same across the board. Now, you might have a different timing involved, and you may need more hip and shoulder disassociation or more torque to swing a bat than you do to throw a baseball. But the movements are Starting, startingly, surprisingly similar. We if only have one pelvis. There yeah. are two, two legs. There's yeah. only one spine. There's only so many ways that that's going to move. And if we're going to yeah. generate power, it's pretty much going to be the same every time. Yep. And when you started with gait analysis, gait analysis led to what we're doing with total body. And the quantifications, all the algorithms, are so scarily similar, it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. When you start delving into one joint, how it relates to another, and you start to see other relationships you never even dreamed existed, but they've been there all along. So I, I would love to be a fly in your lab just just eating up everything you guys are are getting exposed to and, and what is transpiring there. I mean, it's just... I could I could talk and geek out about this all day long. So open, here's an open invitation for you. You have my numbers. They're the same as when I was palling around with you five years ago. But I would the the um, the website to go to is Team Mustard. T E A M M S T R D. Just take the the vowels out of mustard. Com. And you'll, that will access you with everything that's going on. On the back door, I'll give you the name of some of the really smart people in our organization. And we may be able to fast track, maybe have you do some of the baiting tests. In, in other words, 
because you get this, your learning curve is already taken care of. And it would be great to get input from you up in your area code and be part of the whole beta test that we're doing. With a little luck, we'll have a real product rolled out after beta testing by first quarter next year for pitching. Phenomenal. How exciting. I mean, yes. and, and you, you just go from one exciting thing to the next. I, I don't envy the day that you stop doing anything, Tom. That'll probably never happen, actually. Probably not. I'll, I'll go basically from vertical to horizontal. Behind my back, I hear them. They call me the Forrest Gump of sports. I have no clue what's going on, except I always seem to be at a place where the good stuff is happening. So that, I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed. Oh, that is so great. Well, you know, I, I've had a fabulous time chatting here, and, and I thank you for the invitation. I definitely will be looking that up as, as well as I think I'm going to get the, a copy of the range because, you know, two times the charm as far as I'm concerned, if I get a couple recommendations for that. And then if, if parents want to go and grab the app now, can they just go to the app store? Is it available there? It will not be in the app store until we, that's what we're doing beta testing for right now. Gotcha. I didn't realize how complex of a venture it is to get an app out to the public. And we're doing beta testing right now and everything is pretty much on time. In a perfect world, we'll have it in app stores by first quarter next year. Oh, that, that is super. Okay, and then before, before we finish, because I am a Patriots diehard, I just need to know what, what is it like coaching Tom? What was it like? What I'm seeing, and I'm going to kind of homogenize this with these superstars, the Hall of Fame guys, they are all a little bit different, but they have one unique characteristic. They have this genetically predisposed need to get a little better every day. And even when they screw up, even when they have a bad day, all right, we, we all know that Betty Crocker burned a brownie once in a while. You just can't burn the whole pan. Well, on, even on a bad day like last night, when I talked to Tom this morning, he literally looks at a bad day as a learning experience. In fact, he knows, as do all these Hall of Famers, you'll learn more from your failures than you were from your successes. And one last thing to put out there for the parents that might be listening, we live in an outcome world, but the value proposition the way your child sees himself should not be based on outcome. It should be based on process. And if we can just get that delivered through sport, we'll have done a way better job as parents and coaches than we're doing right now. Tom, from your mouth to their ears, let's hope that happens because uh, I'm, a, I'm excited, honestly, even more excited for the future. I do wake up and I love trying to do something new and different or learn something Granted, that is that is the, the way we go through life, and uh, you just you just gave me the carrot on the stick, and 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 hope, awesome. if nothing else, you gave me a little more hope. Thank well, you. Let's not wait five years to hook up again. Let's call it like five weeks, or at, at the most three or four months. Okay, Rocky. Oh, you got that. That's a promise. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Zealous Podcast. Thank you so much, Tom House, for being with us now, and for the listening audience. If you're enjoying these podcasts. Please let us know. Give us a little review and be sure to tell your friends. If last week you missed, be sure to click on the link because Dr. Brandon Marcello was fantastic 
talked all about performance enhancement. And then next week, we've got the founder of the Titleist Performance Institute, Dr. Greg Rose. So we'll see you then. Again, thanks for listening. A really good memory. Now, I'll stretch it even further because you taught me at the at TPI, uh, the level two course. And if I walked away with nothing else, it was shooting the bunny. That's, that's one of the, <laughs> I know, I don't know if we're politically correct talking about that. <laughs> that always gets the laugh. No matter what oh, oh, I got to tell you, anytime I'm teaching a class and somebody lets out a little, little noise like that, I say, we just call it shooting the bunny and the I whole know. room just cracks up. <laughs> Every so, time.